I'm excited today because I get to take the pulpit. So, and uh, I don't take uh, this opportunity lightly. So first, I have to give honor, honors due. Pastor, I don't know how you feel this thing uh, Sunday after Sunday, but man, he does a phenomenal job. Amen. We are a blessed people to hear from him and knowing that what he receives from the Lord is exactly what we need to hear every Sunday. And so uh, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to fill the pulpit for this Sunday um, today. I also want to acknowledge my parents who are in the audience. Yes. Um, my mom and dad, I told them I was going to be speaking and they told me they would uh, be here with bells on. And I said, no, no, no bells. Um, just, just yourselves. And my dad was like, well, can I bring a tambourine? I'm like, no, no tambourine. And I think there was a cowbell mentioned or some, I, you know, whatever. I said, no, just your presence is all I need. And, um, I am very blessed with my mom and dad. Um, there have been, uh, no two greater people that have loved me and supported me and encouraged me more than they have. And, uh, again, to give honor where honor is due, Uh, I would not be here being able to fill this pulpit today if it was not for what they have instilled in me and empowered me over these many years. And so mom and dad, I love you and thank you for taking the time to be here this morning. So amen. Yes. All right. Well, we're ready to get in the word this morning. Come on, let's do it. Hey, you know what? We live such busy lives, don't we? We live very busy lives. And I mean, if you just look at this Christmas season that we just went through, I mean, there's always the hustle and the bustle of the holidays. We go, we go, we go. From Christmas parties, I can't even count how many Christmas parties I went to this year. I mean, it just seems like they multiply year after year. From traveling to see family after family, to shopping, to buying Christmas gifts. And for those who have younger kids, I'm sure you built a few gifts as well. Uh, I know my Christmas day was consumed from about 10 a.m. after the kids had opened their gifts to about 10 p.m. that night. I built two Lego sets and for my son, Nathan, and I built a winter chalet for my daughter's LOL dolls. How many dads know about them LOL dolls, right? So built that. So definitely that kept me busy. So from 10 to 10 was getting that done. But not only that, there's also the, the keeping the kids busy because you know what? For some reason, the schools decide they need a three-week break, right? And, we, and, and that's awesome, but guess what? Mom and dad got to take care of them. And so as we go back to work, you know what? You may be bringing son or daughter along with you because you can't stop what you're doing. You got to still take care of your kids. But for some of you, you've hopefully, you're taking some vacation as well too because of the holidays and everything. But all that to say is it's go, go, go. We're on nonstop 24-7. Well, we've been in a series these past few weeks, these past three weeks, called All I Want for Christmas. And if I had a post-Christmas gift for you this morning, it would be this. For you to be able to take a pause, to slow down a little bit, and to take some time to rest. Now, that's not always easy to do, right? It's not easy to rest. You can ask my wife. I'm one of the first people that it's hard to sit down and rest sometimes. But how many of you would love to hit that pause button on your life right now? 
that you'd be able to, like those old school VCRs, you know what I'm talking about, to go to that old school VCR, that VCR control, and go, boop, pause. Because I'm just going, I'm going, I'm going. I just need to pause. How many of you would love it if the world could just slow down a little bit so you could take a breath? And how many of you are glad that this busy Christmas season is almost over and we can go back to normal, whatever normal is, right? Well, here's the reality, folks. Life's never going to slow down. Life's never going to slow down. It's going to keep going and keep going. Just like that Energizer bunny, it keeps going and going and going. Life keeps going. But the good news is this morning is that you can take a pause. You can take a pause. Because there are times in our life when we need to stop, we need to hit that pause button and rest, if not just for a few moments. And it's in those moments of rest that I've found that God can do more in us than at any other moments in our life. Because in fact, God created rest for us. Did you know that? God created rest for you. He created what we know as the Sabbath. And the origin of the Sabbath goes all the way back to the creation of time. So if you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. It says this in verse 31, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Moving on into chapter 2, it says this, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he, get this, what did he do? He rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And this is the account of the creation of, of the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word today. Father, this is something I don't take lightly and I'm so excited and so blessed that I've been given the opportunity to do so. So now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would open the eyes, open the ears, and open the hearts of the people of this audience to receive what you have for them today. For it's in your name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as we dissect this passage a little further this morning, the word translated rested is the Hebrew word sabbat. And from that word, obviously, you can look and see that's where the word Sabbath comes from. And the meaning of this word is to rest or to cease working, to put an end to or to stop. So if we take this translation literally, it means that on the seventh day, God did not work. Now this begs the question, did God really stop working on the seventh day? Well, this can lead to some common misconceptions about this passage that we're looking at this morning. And so I want to take just the next few moments to look at those misconceptions. And the first one is this, God stopped working on the seventh day. 
Now, the truth is, God did stop working on the seventh day, okay? But the misconception is that he stopped working completely. You see, when God, what, what did he had just got done doing? He had just got done creating the world, right? And he was like, I've created it. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. I'm done creating the world. And you know what? I'm going to rest. Now, did he stop working completely? No, he did not. But what did he do? He stopped his creative work. Because the work of creating the world was completed, but God was not sitting around ignoring the world. He wasn't like, well, that's done. I can just sit here on my my lounge chair and just rock and roll and here we go. That's not God. That would contradict everything we know about our Father. Because God never stops working. God is always working, as it always requires work for God to simply sustain his creation. So yes, God did stop working because he stopped what he had previously done. He had finished working on the creation of the world. But what he didn't do is he didn't stop working completely. He didn't ignore us. You were still on his mind even on the seventh day. So the first thing is God stopped working on the seventh day. The second thing is God was tired and needed to rest. This one cracks me up. Because how many of you know our God is omnipotent? Do you know what that word means? It means he's all powerful. It means he has the most power. There is nobody else but him that has the power like he does. He is all powerful. He never tires. He never gets tired. Think about this. His greatest expenditure of energy does not diminish his power one bit. You can think of the biggest thing that God can do, and I bet, I can guarantee you, it doesn't diminish his power. He is still omnipotent yesterday, today, and forever. But here's the deal. God rested not because he needed to, but because he knew man would need to. He knew that we were human and that in our human ability, we needed time for ourselves, that we needed to take time for ourselves. You see, God modeled the need for rest. God set the example from the very beginning. He set the example from the very beginning. He modeled the need for rest. And he also knew that the rest that he provided would be the rest that man would need to refuel, refocus, and recharge. So God was tired and needed to rest. How ridiculous is that? God is never tired. He's always working. We just talked about it. He's always working. So that leads us to the third misconception. Man was made for the Sabbath. Now we're going to spend a little bit longer explaining the misconception because we need to have a better idea of how the Sabbath was understood in both the Old and the New Testament. And as we've seen in Genesis, God established the principle of the Sabbath day rest for his people. We just read about that. But also in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, God gave the Israelites the fourth of his ten commandments. And they were to remember the Sabbath day and to keep them holy. And one day out of every seven, they were to rest from their labors and give the same day of rest to their servants and their animals. And so whatever work they were engaged in, so whatever they were doing, whether they were taking care of the animals or whatever, they were supposed to stop on that day and rest. And it was one day, full day each week. And so the Sabbath day was established so that people would rest from their labors only to begin again after that one day rest. 
And with the establishment, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Old Testament law, the Jews were constantly laboring to make themselves acceptable to God. They were trying to obey a myriad of do's and don'ts. And let me tell you, there were a lot. If you've looked in the Old Testament, do you know how many Old Testament laws there were that they were trying to follow? We think it's only 10 commandments, but there was over 613 laws they were trying to follow and obey. Now, let me ask you, do you think that they obeyed all 613 laws just, you know, so easy peasy, lemon squeezy? Obviously not. So what did God do? He provided an array of, of, of offerings, of sin offerings and sacrifices so that they could come to him for forgiveness and restore fellowship with him. And, he, and they had this Sabbath, this one day, but this was only temporarily because guess what? When the Sabbath was over, they went back to work. So just as they began their physical labors after a one-day rest, so too did they have to continue to offer sacrifices. And this went on all throughout the Old Testament. But when Jesus, when Jesus came, Jesus the man came on the scene in the New Testament, he redefined the Sabbath. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Verse 1 says this, At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is, get this, Lord, even over the Sabbath. You see, folks, Jesus is our Sabbath rest in the flesh. He is our Sabbath rest in the flesh. He decides the true meaning of the Sabbath. Why? Because he created it. He created it. And because he created it, he had the right to break the Sabbath rules. Let's go on in verse 9. It says this, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he had noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? Now they were hoping he'd say yes so they could bring charges against him because they were always out to kill him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. So when the Pharisees were criticizing him for healing on the Sabbath, Jesus reminded them that even they, as sinful as they were, that they would not hesitate to pull a sheep out of a pit on the Sabbath. Now think about that. It's the Sabbath, and you see your dog drowning in a pool. Well, it's the Sabbath. What am I going to do? I'm not supposed to pull him out because if I do that, I have to work. So I'm just going to let my dog drown and die. What? Are you kidding me? 
You're going to let your dog drown because it's the Sabbath. No, you're going to pull your dog in and knowing me, I'll have to go dive in for him and I don't even know how to swim. So there's the risk of me dying as well to go save my dog. But I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, right? So that's what Jesus was telling them. Jesus reminded them that even they, as simple as they were, they were not going to hesitate to pull that sheep out of a pit. Why? Because people are more important than rules. People are more valuable than sheep, right? People are valuable. So it's the Sabbath that, that, that is what he's talking about. And then he goes on in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He says that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus was restating the principle that the Sabbath rest was instituted to relieve man of his labors, just as he came to relieve us of our attempting to achieve salvation by our works. We no longer rest for only one day, but forever cease our laboring to attain God's favor. Because in the end, Jesus truly redefined what the Sabbath was through his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. You see, because of what he did, we no longer have to labor in trying to keep laws. We don't have to labor in trying to obey rules in order to be justified in the sight of God. Jesus was sent so that we might rest in God and in what he has provided for us. So therefore, this final misconception can no longer be true. And that's number four, that God's rest for us is confined to one literal day. God's rest for us is confined to one literal day. If we go and we look back at our initial text in Genesis, you're going to notice something. You look at the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day. What, what phrase do you see? You see evening passed morning came, right? You see it in each one of them, okay? Because that's just what happened, okay? But when you look at the seventh day, what do you not see? You don't see evening passed and morning came. Now, why do you think that is? Why did that not mark the seventh day? Do you think that maybe that God didn't want the Sabbath to be confined to only one day? Do you think that maybe he wanted his people to be able to rest any time that they wanted to? But see, you see, it it took his son, Jesus, to help people realize that. Because you know what Jesus did? He said, you don't need the law of the Sabbath. You know why? Because I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And therefore, guess what? His rest is always available for us. Hebrews 4.3 says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. You know what that says? That this rest is available for who? Us. If we believe in Christ, his rest is available for us. Not only that, but Jesus has an eternal Sabbath rest for us to enter anytime we want to. Anytime we want to. Hebrews 4 going on in verses 9 through 11 says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Because that's what the people of Israel were doing. They were still doing sacrifices and sin offerings. And it took a man named Jesus to come and say, You don't need to do that anymore. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. 
You can enter into my rest anytime you want, anytime you need to. If you need rest, come to me. Because not only is Sabbath rest available for those who believe, but it is available anytime we choose to enter. Sabbath rest is not confined to one literal day. We can press the pause button anytime we want to. So what does it say? It says that if his rest is always available to us, then here's how I would define rest for you this morning. Here's the definition. Rest is pressing the pause button on our daily activity and focusing on God. That's what rest is. It can't be any more simple than that. Rest is pressing, say it, the pause button on our daily activity and focusing on God. That's what it is. Now, the fact is, it's not always easy to press the pause button, right? When life is coming at us with stresses and conflict and pressures and tension, it's not always easy to go, boop. But you know what the word says this morning? You know what God modeled for us? He modeled rest for us. So no matter what stresses we're going through, no matter what circumstances we're going through, we can boop. Hit that pause button anytime we need to. And guess what? When we hit that pause button, God's right there waiting for us. He's right there waiting for us for open arms saying, come, come into my rest. He invites us to enter into his rest at any point of the day that we choose. It can be early in the morning. It can be late at night. It doesn't matter. Whenever you want to enter into God's rest, it is available for you. So then the question becomes, what happens when I actually, boop, Press that pause button. Well, here's what's happened. I'm glad you asked. When we press the pause button, we rest in him. When we press the pause button, we rest in him. Now, I took the word rest because I I am a, a model after pastor here, and I made an acrostic. Thank you. All right. So when we press the pause button, we rest in him. So the first thing we do is R, we refocus on who God is. We refocus on who God is. Who is God in your life? What was your life like before you came to know Christ? What is your life like now? Is your identity found in him or has it strayed to something else? Because I found that in these times of resting, I can make adjustments and I can refocus my identity in him by simply acknowledging who he is in my life. First, I can refocus on his love for me. I can refocus on his love for me. You know what? His love never fails. His love never fails. It never ends. It's unconditional. It is amazing, his love is. And the fact is, is that there is no one on this earth that loves you more than Jesus Christ. No one or no thing will keep him from loving you the way he does. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19 says, and may you have the power to understand as well as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. For then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. As we trust in him and we refocus on who he is, we can go back and look at verse 17 right before it, where it says he will make his home in our hearts and our roots will grow down even deeper into his love. And as a result, when we come out of our pause, when we come out of that rest with him, we are stronger than we were before. Our roots are deeper in love with Christ because we took the time to 
Press that pause button. So I can refocus on his love. The second thing is I can do is I can refocus on his promises. Second Peter 1, 4 says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This is the same glory and the excellence that existed when God rested on the seventh day. The excellence was in his creation. His glory is shown through you. You were on his mind when he finished his creation. He has never, ever stopped caring for you. The same spirit, I love this, that hovered over the waters at the beginning of creation is the same spirit that resides in you today. The same spirit, his his spirit cares for you through his promises. And when I refocus on his promises, I am reminded how much the Lord cares for me. And what are some of these promises? Real quick, I'll just give you the scriptures. Deuteronomy 31, 8. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. If you grow tired and weary. And you fall in exhaustion. Those who trust in the Lord will what? Renew their strength. That's a promise right there. John chapter 10, verse 28 through 29. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. That just says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is fully finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What is that? It's two promises right there. That A, he's gonna finish his work and B, he's coming again. And then this one I love the most right here because of what we're talking about today. Jesus promised rest in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How awesome is it that when we rest in him, he promises and gives us rest. Not only are we resting in him, he says, come on, son or daughter, come rest in me, and I will give you rest. So these promises are for you. All these promises we've talked about, they are yes and amen like the scripture says, but these are just a few of the many, 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 many promises that we can refocus on when we rest in him. And the final thing is, is we can refocus on his provision. God has given everything we will ever need. When God rested on the seventh day, he knew that what he had created was everything that man could ever need. From water to shelter to food to companionship, he provided it all. And when we rest in him, we can thank him for that provision that he is exactly what we need when we need it because he is enough. There is no one or nothing that is better than who he is. And in the end, when we refocus, we refocus on what's most important. So that's why I believe that God blessed the seventh day, why he sanctified it, why he made it holy, because maybe he knew that when we entered into rest with him, we could refocus on what was most important. So just as he refocused, as he refocused on what was most important to him, which was his creation, which was us, we could refocus on what should be the most important to us, which is him, the one who is the most holy of all. And so now being in that right frame of reference and knowing who he is, we can in turn e enjoy his goodness. 
I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do when I'm on a vacation is I love to go to those breathtaking views to just go see the scenery and all of that. And so in, in, in my years, I've been able to see a sunset at the Grand Canyon. Beautiful sight. I've been able to see the beautiful waters of the Caribbean because of cruises I've been able to take, and it's beautiful. And I've been able to go up to a tall building and see just the buildings and how, how beautiful they are. And you're like, well, it's just buildings. Yeah, but someone had to create man to build those buildings. And it was God. God showing his handiwork through men. So there's just something about stepping back and admiring his creation from afar. And that's exactly what God did when he rested. When God rested on the seventh day, he enjoyed his creation he had just completed. He looked at all of it from afar and he determined that it was what? Very good. It was worth all of the time that he had spent investing in it. He rested in the goodness of what he had made. So when we rest in him, we should enjoy his goodness. We should focus on how good he is and that what he created is good. You see, we live in a world where bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And sometimes our circumstances argue with us about how good God is. And sometimes God's good plan doesn't go the way we want to. And we experience heartache and death and loss. But hear me this morning. He is there for you. He is there for you. God has great goodness stored up for you. Take your refuge in him. Rest there. Enjoy his goodness. For he is up to more than you know and has hidden help that only comes when you pause and rest in him. But here's the thing. We can't enjoy his goodness. We can't refocus on who he is unless we actually pause. And so when I say pause, I literally mean stop, stop. We have to stop what we are doing so that we can refocus on who he is and enjoy his goodness. So letter S, stop and breathe, stop and breathe. The first part of the statement is often the hardest part to do. Stop means we have to press the pause button on whatever we are doing, whatever daily activity we've been in. It is hard to press that pause button. I get it. It's tough. But as we learned earlier, when God rested on the seventh day, he stopped what he had been doing, which was his creative work. He gave us the model. So my question for you is if God stopped what he was doing, then why can't we? It also means that when we stop, what, it also means that we need to stop whatever distractions are going to hinder us from being able to press that pause button. So that means I may have to put this little ditty away. I don't know about you, but when, when I'm trying to enter into a time of rest or whatever it is, and I got this thing dinging at me because I got a text or I got an incoming email or whatever it is, it's a distraction. And I know some of you are like, well, if I don't put my phone away, then nobody's going to be able to touch with me. My, my wife won't be able, this is my excuse, my wife won't be able to get in touch with me if there's an emergency. Do you not think... The omnipotent God of the universe, when you are resting in him and an emergency pops up, do you not think that God's not going to take care of you? Because I guarantee you, he will. He'll be like, look, son, daughter, you're resting in me, but I need to kind of let you know about a little emergency that's just happened. He might fill you in on it. But we got to put this away. When we rest in him, we got to stop the distractions. 
Because God deserves our undivided attention. Because I guarantee you, he's going to give it to me every time I go to him. He gave it to Adam and Eve, so what makes me think he won't give it to me today? When I take a pause, I want this time to be as worthwhile as possible, which leads to the second part of this statement. Once I stop, then I can breathe. One of the greatest things that I've learned from Pastor Mike is something very simple. For example, a couple Sundays ago, I was hosting the service that day, and I got word that my daughter Katie had gotten sick during kids' service, and I needed to take her home right after first service. So, and of course, my wife was already at home with our sick son, Nathan. So being the good dad that I am, um, I got into my car, I got my daughter, and we went home. Now, I'm not going to tell you how fast I drove, because I didn't have a lot of time in between services, but I will say I am so grateful that 360 has a toll road now. So, so I went home, dropped her off, and then I rushed back here, and I'm walking in the auditorium. I walk down to my spot, and pastor notices me. He's noticed that I returned. So he comes over to me, and before he says anything else, you know, asks how Katie is, he takes my hand. He says, stop and take a breath. Because he knew what I was getting ready to do. He knew that I was about to come into the pulpit and start hosting the service and that I was frazzled and I had all this stuff going on. And he said, stop and take a breath. So you know what I did? I stopped. I went, I did it. And you know what happened? It was good. It felt good. Because I don't know about you, but when I take that deep breath, there's just something calming that just eases the tension, releases the nerves a little bit. All because I stopped and took a breath. The hardest part is stopping, but once you are stopped, it is as easy, it's so easy to take that deep breath. Then you can not only enjoy his goodness, but you can breathe in his goodness. Psalm 34, eight says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Do you hear that? Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. There is joy for those who find rest in him. Because when we stop and breathe, we can position ourselves now to receive even more from him. Because we're refocused, we're enjoying his goodness, we're breathing in his goodness, we are stronger than we were before, and our roots are growing deeper in love with him. So then finally, we can T, take time to listen. Take time to listen. Now, here's what I love about this whole pressing the boop, pause button. What does scripture say when we draw close to God? James 4a exactly says, draw near to God. And what will he do? Draw near to you. When we have taken the time to stop and breathe, refocus on who he is, enjoy his goodness, and truly rest in him, then we have given the opportunity to God to do what only he can do. Because don't you think that he can speak in an environment more clearly where it's an environment that's conducive for him to be heard? Think about it. Because we're pausing and we're resting, we are more in tune with the Lord because resting is what? All about focusing on him and his purposes and his plan and his promises. We have our minds in alignment with his because resting is all about what? Placing him where at the forefront. That is, don't you think that's the type of person that God loves to speak to? Some that is, someone is that is ready and willing to listen but here's the deal. 
If God is willing to speak to us then, then we need to take the time to listen to him. Because it's so much easier to listen when we have positioned ourselves better to listen. You see, by pressing the pause button, we've done that very thing. We have done that very thing. And who knows in that time of rest what he might speak to us. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's the answered prayer you've been looking for. Maybe it could even be your next assignment. Or maybe it's just this. Son, daughter, I love you. Wow. Just because I press that pause button. God speaks to me and he shows me things that I've not seen before. But guess what? It will never happen if you don't take the time to listen to his voice. So here we are getting ready to wind down the year 2019. And my question for you this morning is how often did you take the time to pause? Now I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't pause as much as I could have. But guess what, folks? 2020 is a new year. It's a new decade. Can you believe it's a new decade? We've already been through the 2010s. And it will give you more events to fill your calendar. It will present its own challenges. There will be more tasks to keep you busy, more stress to manage, more blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, this year will be over just like this one. So how will you take advantage of your time? How will you take advantage of those busy moments in the year 2020? Hopefully, you and I will take the time to pause. That we will take the time to rest in him, the Lord of the Sabbath. Because here's what I do know. 2020 is going to present even more opportunities for God to speak to you if you are pressing that pause button daily or more than what you did in 2019. God is going to draw near unto you because you are in tune with what he desires for you. And get this, it's in those moments of pressing the pause button that God will be able to do what only he can do. He'll refuel you, he'll recharge you, so you can accomplish that next bit of work that he has for you. For if we believe in Christ then the great news again is that we can enter into his Sabbath rest at any time we want. And when we do, let's make sure that we refocus on who he is, enjoy his goodness, stop and breathe. We take time to listen so that we can rest in him in the year 2020. Our takeaway for today is this, God can do more in us in 2020 if we choose to pause a little bit more.